Hey, I'm Jules. You know, that guy Daniel Will and Ara talk at on the Android Police podcast. Unfortunately, we're off for another week. Someone on our team had been dealing with a personal, urgent matter this week, and we weren't able to get together to record. But we won't be leaving you empty-handed, or empty-eared, as it were. This episode will be a bit of a vignette, revisiting the beginning and end of Stadia, Google's short-lived game streaming service. The main reason we don't cover the middle is because this podcast didn't simply exist then, during all of 2020 and 2021. But we think it'll be something to chew on, especially as handheld consoles continue to eat up the 2024 landscape in mobile gaming. To start things off, let's head back to our show from November 18, 2019. Streaming games are almost here. Stadia launches tomorrow to an expectant and hesitant audience. The big questions here, how big is the hitbox for success and how many lives does Google have? It's Monday, November 18th. Welcome. I'm Cody Toombs alongside Corbin Davenport. So anyone who's following Android Police has probably already seen our Stadia review it's actually pretty positive in the sense of play experience is good. Unfortunately, just about everything else looks like it's on shaky ground. Basically, they're missing features. There's a lot of kind of iffiness about the launch titles. And overall, it sounds like it could be good. But at least Taylor, the reviewer, basically felt like it, this is promise for the future, but not necessarily a must do right now. Yeah, like there's a lot of things that are missing right now, but also this is sort of a test beta period where the only people who will be able to access it are the people who paid for the Founders Edition. So it's not as big of a deal as something like, kind of like when Google launched Allo and it was just missing everything, and that was the real launch. This is sort of like a, well, it's still technically beta kind of. Right now, you can only use it through the Chromecast Ultras that came with the Founders Editions. Not even the regular Chromecast Ultra can because it hasn't been updated for that. Though you can also play it on PC. Also, stuff like achievements. Maybe people don't care about that as much. Just a lot of little things that add up. But again, this isn't like the full launch yet. We're not quite there yet. So I'm. I'll, I'll give Google a little bit of legroom for that i mean i'm always willing to give a little bit of space for your first launch your first days out i remember when the xbox launched the original xbox and certainly things there were not perfect there was a lot of work to be done there were missing features that playstations had had and there was just a lot there that you could say was missing on the other hand it did feel more complete than this for example, missing achievements. Apparently, Stadia is recording your achievements, but they haven't developed a screen to actually look at them yet. And I grant that that sounds like a simple thing, and it really is actually a lot more complicated because you might be looking at achievements through a main interface versus looking at them through the game itself versus possibly even sharing them publicly. There, There's a lot of ways you might actually access this and might want them sorted or categorized differently. So... I kind of get why some of this stuff might be missing, but at the same time, it feels like maybe they just needed more people to push some of this stuff out on time. And 
I, I it just feels weirdly empty at this stage. Yeah. And like another thing that we only learned today was the pricing for all of the games. One of the big confusion points I'm seeing a lot with Stadia is that people assume there is a required subscription and then you buy the games on top of that. But when Stadia launches for realsies to everyone, not just the people who bought the Founders Edition, there will be a free tier that just limits your streaming to 1080p and 60 frames per second. So the game pricing themselves, it's its kind of interesting because most of the games are priced similar to what you would expect from a console. So new big games are 60 bucks. Smaller games are 20 to 40 bucks, that kind of thing. There are a couple outliers, um, like games that have been out for a year or two at this point that have become... on consoles and are still full price on Stadia, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But you also have to factor in that, again, there's no required subscription. So that price also goes into you being able to access Google servers at any given moment to play the games. It's not quite the same value you'd get from a console game. So almost in a way, it's, it's remarkable that the games are priced very closely to the console versions. I wouldn't be surprised if Google might be taking a loss there, especially given what the developers probably want in terms of their cut. Yeah, everything about Stadia prevents it from being a real one-to-one comparison. The mere fact, obviously, as many people point out, you don't have to buy a console, which is fantastic. This is saving you a lot on hardware. This is saving you from the inevitable problems of classic console failures like the Red Ring of Death or any of the follow-up issues that almost every console has had. On the other hand, it's really unclear what you're getting with the games in the long run. Obviously, a lot of people bring up the classic issue, which has been talked to death, of course, that no one's really sure if Google would be sticking with Stadia in the long term. And with pricing on games, it looks good for some, and others, it's odd. Yeah. So, I um, and again, we only have pricing right now for 12 out of the 22, I believe, launch titles. Because last night, about the 11th hour, so to speak, Google updated the number of games that would be available at launch on Stadia from 12 games to 22 games. So that's a pretty nice, nice improvement. 12 was a little bit sparse i think even though some of the ones in that 12 like red dead redemption 2 like you could just play that for hours and hours i don't think it was lacking by any stretch but the games that will be available on day one on stadia now include stuff like football manager 2020 metro exodus which was a big one from early this year rage 2 from bethesda trials rising wolfenstein youngblood all those sorts of games And of course, Stadia is still expected to get a lot, um, not a lot more, but more games before the end of the year. A lot of these were previously scheduled to be available just sometime before the end of 2019. So Google's pushing up the availability windows a little bit, which is nice. Yeah, I remember being a little skeptical when I saw the initial list because outside of Red Dead Redemption 2, Mortal Kombat 11, and maybe two or three of these others... Honestly, it was kind of a bleak list. And also Destiny 2, of course. 
by adding some of the new ones, it does look a little bit more promising. It, it does cover a little bit wider range of gamer with the new list. But yeah, it's it's still not necessarily a show-stopping list, especially when you've got some titles in here that are several years old. So, you know, it's not bad. I mean, any console would launch with likely a weaker list than this. Though typically they'd also be launching with actual launch titles, new, purely new games, whereas this is, again, some older games, some that are, you know, a few months old is fine. A few years old does cast a bit of a shadow on it. Yes. So, Stadia, there's a lot about it, including the launch might have been a little bit rushed. We kind of touched on this earlier, but it's it's important to lay it all down. The Stadia is having a few issues to start with. We already touched on like achievements is missing and the ability to use existing Chromecast Ultras for Stadia and just any Chromecast in general, because eventually it's supposed to work on all of them. Anywhere you can cast is supposed to eventually work with Stadia. Um, other stuff that's missing is like family sharing. Stadia is supposed to have a buddy pass that won't be available on day one, but it should be available within two weeks of the launch date. There's also no 4K HDR and 5.1 surround sound support on PCs until sometime in 2020, which kind of stinks. <laughs> Granted, I don't have a 4K monitor, so yeah. Yeah. I- also stuff like Stream Connect, State Share, Crowd Play, and also the, the Stadia controller itself has been delayed for a lot of people, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. So... When you look over the list of what's missing, uh, some of this stuff I'm not surprised by. Some of it honestly makes a lot of sense. It's unfortunate that family sharing isn't there right from the start because, as a lot of people brought up, uh, and I believe Russell Hawley tweeted about this and got a lot of attention on it, at launch, basically, you have a situation where a lot of kids are going to be going in and playing, and you're basically just expected to buy two copies of like a $60 game in order to them to play against each other and that just seems not just wrong it actually seems like an really obvious failure but at the same time I can also kind of see why they might be struggling with that not necessarily the easiest thing to work out with developers the buddy pass thing that was actually something that they said outright in the beginning would be available even if it's got a two-week delay there just should be no reason for that it's things like this you have to wonder why so, I don't know. It Again, it just keeps coming back to it's odd that they don't have more of this stuff worked out, and it probably would have been better if they had just set a launch date further out. Yeah. Um, Actually, just hitting that feature list, I'll bring up one other thing that I, f- I think was really interesting. If you go back and rewatch the initial announcement for Stadia, one of the things they spent a lot of time talking about was basically how you'll be able to stream this to YouTube and how you'll be able to engage with followers and things like that. One of the things that they haven't mentioned is how streamers are going to project themselves on the screen. No one's ever talked about setting up cameras or controlling chat rooms or anything like that through Stadia. And as mentioned, State Share stream connect any of those features all of this stuff is just somewhere out there but it's not really clear when or i i'm sure 
there's no if it, it will be a win, but still it seems very strange that one of their biggest focuses was on streamers. And it seems like at launch, they are completely out of the picture. Yeah. And again, it's not exactly apples to apples, but Twitch itself has been making pretty major strides to making it easier to stream from a traditional PC. So it does make Stadia's lack of any streaming features a little bit more apparent when now you can just download an app from Twitch on your computer and start streaming a game on your PC. Yeah. And I mean, it's not that it would be that hard to stream Stadia to Twitch, which is kind of funny. It'll almost be easier to do that than to stream it to YouTube at this point. But it's an odd look when they courted so heavily towards being able to stream. And it seems like that's an af- not just an afterthought. It's literally a non-thought at this stage. So again, kind of an odd, odd thing that seems to be missing from a launch, especially including... If I recall, I did not, maybe I'm mistaken on this, but I think the PS4 actually launched with streaming support either there on day one or it was added like, what, a month in or something? It was really quick. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I didn't, I, uh, only my brother has a PS4 and he got it like two years after launch. So I, I don't recall. Yeah, I, I got mine pretty far after launch too. So similar, but still things just looking odd (laughs) other things that have gone kind of wrong the stadia controllers have been delayed which uh did you mention that earlier i just touched on it because i know we were gonna go into detail about it almost everything involving the play store at this stage has gone a little haywire people who pre-ordered the founders edition many of or it's actually unclear how many the stadia reps claim that this was a very small number referencing it just as a few uh, whereas it seems Reddit threads, actually quite a few people may have gone through this. Evidently, ordering with PayPal, a number of people had their orders canceled when billing started to occur. And Stadia has stepped up and basically said, listen, if this happened to you, please contact us. We will make it right. So this is a good side. They're actually being interactive about it. They're answering to it and responding. Uh, which also comes with the caveat that they're avoiding answering and responding to a lot of other things. But this is one they're taking care of. And the controllers themselves, if you're purchasing a separate controller, it appears those are also being delayed. I did not see the exact reason, but they did commit to getting a response out very quickly about why or when. Yeah, so this stinks. (laughs) I don't really have any insightful commentary about this. It's just kind of a screw up. I do really appreciate one of the comments on the article where someone said the service isn't even out yet and Google is already canceling it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. And also, of course, this sits on top of what was already a pretty well-known issue where what had originally been committed to as a launch date of November 19th has basically become a two-week period in which people will be receiving their starting kits. Some people supposedly will be receiving it tomorrow, the 19th. Other people may not be receiving it until early December, like myself. So it's going to be this 
a protracted launch where some people just won't be able to start until later on. And supposedly it's based on when they signed up for the Founders Edition. But again, you can look at Reddit threads and find numerous people who signed up almost immediately. And they are significantly out of order from other people who signed up hours or even months later. So uh, lots of little oddities there too. I know um, Taylor mentioned that he, he said he thinks that Stadia access codes will be emailed out starting tomorrow. So maybe people will be able to access Stadia before their physical kit showed up, but that's only on PC. Because again, the regular Chromecast can't do Stadia yet. So right. there's going to still be a delay for that. So I did read a response from one of the Stadia reps that basically said what they're going to do. And this sounds plausible, but we'll see how it plays out. Evidently, what they're going to do is when they ship the starter pack, they will email out the invite code at that time. And supposedly, since they're going to be shipping in the order that you sign up for it, that means they should also be emailing out the invite codes in the order that you signed up for it. So even if you're on slow shipping or there's a delay in your shipping, you should still supposedly get your invite code in that stage. So we'll see. I mean, the promise here is you'll be able to access it from your computer. And as many people care, you'll be able to get your username early. These are the two big concerns a lot of people had. So at least for the username, I think that matters. For access, we'll see. Obviously, a lot of people don't really want to play this so much on the computer. They want the TV experience. But at the very least, this gives some opportunity to some people. In other words, if you signed up, keep an eye on your email because that's going to be hitting you before the actual starter kit. Got to snag your username quick. So the last thing we'll touch on in terms of not so happy Stadia news is that at least one game developer we reported on is worried about the longevity of Stadia. So again, we touched on this earlier. This has been absolutely talked to death, so I have no desire to go over it again. But Google's long history of canceling things does give a shout out to Stadia's success. People are worried maybe it might be canceled sooner rather than later. Of course, nothing on this earth is eternal. Steam will eventually be shut down. Who knows when? But Google is a bit more trigger happy on shutting things down than some other companies. So during PAX West, which was a little bit a while ago, a site called Games Industry interviewed Gwen Fry, the developer of Kine, which is one of the more indie games available on Stadia at launch. I'll read their quote because it states it pretty well. They said, the biggest complaint most developers have with Stadia is the fear that Google is just going to cancel it. No one says, oh, it's not going to work or streaming isn't the future. Everyone accepts that streaming is pretty much inevitable. The biggest concern with Stadia is that it might not exist. And if you think about it like that, that's kind of silly. Working in tech, you have to be willing to make bold moves and try things that could fail. And yeah, Google's canceled a lot of projects. Yeah. And it's obviously, this has been probably the biggest talking point since Stadia was announced. You can go back to the initial announcement post that we did, and the comment section is just filled with people saying, until it gets canceled. 
So it's still full. <laughs> Every time we write anything about Stadia, there's ten people that jump in and make a Stadia's cancel joke. They're not for guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they were maybe funny the first time, and that that one I I, I mentioned earlier that was funny yeah. because I didn't expect that. Yeah, it it was very fitting in its context. And this is a little reminiscent to Aloe, where every post that I wrote about Aloe and anyone else for that matter, it was just constantly comments about stickers. That was the inevitable joke everyone had to make about Aloe, was that every update was purely about stickers. And to be fair, many of them were, so understandable. But yeah, it becomes a broken record at a certain point. And the thing is, though, that is also significant to Google because... When you've earned a reputation for canceling so many projects, many of which actually have a user base and real longevity behind them, obviously I'm not talking about Allo here, you pretty much end up with a situation where people are going to be less trusting of you. And Google has numerous times from multiple departments hyped up the message of fail early, fail often. I'm sure that's actually a misquote. It's fail early and something else. But anyway... It is very specifically a thing about canceling projects, and we have a very ambitious endeavor. Stadia is not a small thing. It's not a simple thing, but it is a very big goal in that situation, and it's not hard to understand why people would be reluctant to spend money investing in games and wanting to pick up things that they are going to want to use for a long time, and then... Possibly down the road, they might actually be saying, whoops, that was a bad buy. That was a bad investment. Where did the things go that I spent money on? Yeah, th- this kind of just ties more into not necessarily the Google kills everything crowd, but I, I think this mostly ties into the point that a lot of people who play games are more and more frustrated with the inability to tangibly own the games. Of course, you can still buy console games on disc or, or in the Switch's case, the little cartridge things. But even those rely on updates and some kind of server-side checks a lot of the times. And of course, on PC, the most popular way to buy games is through stores like Steam and Epic and um, Origin. And on those, you don't really own anything. You own the right to play the games, but... Steam could completely shut down tomorrow and everything would be gone because <laughs> it's all DRM locked. Again, there are some exceptions, like there's the GOG store that sells DRM free games. But the point is that Stadia is sort of like an escalation of the thing a lot of people who play games are already kind of sick of, where not only do you not tangibly have the games, at least in like download it to your computer. Now you not only do not own the games, but you also do not own the hardware to run them. I get where people are coming from, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, this is a discussion that really started or it it keeps resurfacing ever since I, I want to say going as far back as windows 95, you really don't own software anymore. You own licenses to software which is your guarantee of usage or access to usage. But this does not inherently mean you will always and forever be able to play it. And there are very justifiably arguments that we still want to be able to archive games. Even setting aside the the notion of ownership, the idea that you could have an exclusive on Stadia 
you know, if Stadia were to shut down, you may never actually be able to play a certain game again. And that does suck. The counter to this is, think about any game that's fairly multiplayer oriented. What happens when the company that runs the servers decides to shut down those servers? We've seen this happen with Halo. We've seen it happen with, I'm drawing a blank on the rest of them, but... Every MMO ever that isn't World of Warcraft. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Eventually, those servers get shut down and all of your investment, all of your saved up character stats, everything else out there is eventually dead. So it's very unfortunate, but there will never be a day that we get back certain games or certain multiplayer experiences. And then there are single player experiences, which are obviously very, very good and would be incredible. And it'd be wonderful if we could archive a lot of those. And some of those games will 30, 40, 50 years out still have incredible stories that are worth bringing back. Now, granted, at that stage, we're all going to be like, ew, you have to use your hands. That's like a kid's toy. But, you know, uh, back to the future two scene. (laughs) All right, I do not furiously hate you. I committed to that one. If you don't get that reference, you're a bad person. Or at least a bad movie watcher. But yeah. Uncultured listeners. (laughs) Plebs. But seriously, there are going to be games that it'd be wonderful if we could archive, and we obviously should be able to. But outside of that, we really need to kind of come to terms with the fact that nothing is really truly permanent you can't keep all of this stuff around indefinitely and one of these days you know there's nothing saying a developer can't push those titles out through other means in the future stadia is not a end of life for everything possibilities exist yeah like a lot of games that start out as console exclusives eventually come to pc and vice versa so here's hoping I do think at least it'd be nice to see all the Stadia exclusives eventually make their way to other platforms. Yeah, and outside of the ones that supposedly are going to require the impossible server resources that they've claimed, outside of that, I think most of them probably will. There's not much reason for anything to remain a true exclusive these days. Or those games do get released and you just kind of have to like network several PS4s together to play it. Oh, that'd be awesome. I think there have been a lot of unfair complaints about Stadia, especially from people who obviously would not have ever touched it or played it yet. What stands out to me is I think a lot of people before Stadia was even announced, they had in mind an idea for what they wanted to have in sort of the future of gaming. And Stadia seems to be the exact polar opposite of what so many people wanted. Ownership, archival, Things like that were obviously big talking points. We've seen a lot of people kind of complaining very justifiably about modding. I think that's going to be one of the biggest questions people continue to push on Stadia. Like, what is going to be the story for modding? Will people be able to upload mods? Will there be sort of like an official or unofficial method for developing them? Will you have to apply things in some weird in-between state? How this happens is going to be a really big determiner for whether or not Stadia acquires a fan base. Yeah, so there will definitely be a lot more to talk about Stadia-related in the coming weeks and months because, as we've said a hundred times, it's cloud-based. It can get updates on a whim, so... It will continue to change 
and get better, hopefully, as time goes on. And you'll just have to keep listening to the podcast to find out what happens. And yeah, I have a funny feeling we're probably going to be talking about this quite a bit over the next few weeks. Sorry, Corbin. (laughs) (laughs) I'll skip those episodes. (laughs) So that's how it started. Here's how it ends. Fast forward to October 9, 2022. Obviously, this happened very suddenly last week. It happened (laughs) after we recorded, so we couldn't I mean, we could have had an emergency podcast, but we were uh, preparing for this week, so we didn't. It's shutting down in January 2023 until like the store is closed already. We currently don't have any details on exporting data. Google says that it'll be part of the Google Takeout. So some companies will allow you to take that information and import them on other platforms. Ubisoft is going to make that a priority, and I think a few other developers have. Speaking of developers and publishers, a lot of them came out that day basically saying, holy shit, this is the first we're hearing of it. We had games coming out in a couple of months, and now I guess they're not. So it appears that the communication happened very suddenly. For the team, too. For they, this team they, as well. They were saying that, like, it was, you know, an hour before we found out or whatever. There was a all-hands meeting, you know, email went out, and, and that's how they learned. Right. Yeah. I guess the silver lining for some Stadia players is that it'll be everybody who's purchased the Founders Edition, the Premier Edition, any hardware, and any games will be refunded all of those purchases right? From the very beginning, from like 2019, which is great. Like a lot of people are saying, we're going to put that money towards buying a PS5 or uh, an Xbox Series X or, or something, a, a Steam Deck. Uh, but I mean, Zach Laidlaw who used to do partnerships and, and, and social for AP is like one of those Stadia stands who just loved not just the service, but like the community that he fostered from it. And hearing from those people that day was absolutely heartbreaking. Just like Google Plus Ara all over again. Don't don't bring that up. I have enough hurt in my heart right now. But yeah, I don't understand killing it so suddenly. Like if you had things that were still in the pipeline and games that have been in development for so long, it it feels like the new head of Warner Discovery canning movies that were either in post production or still like at the tail end of production rather than letting them release it's you spent the money already it's back well, this this was the, this wasn't first party software though these were third party devs that were that were like google already gave up the ghost on first party software like a couple oh yeah years no ago, i know, know. but okay. there, it's still developers that google had been working with for sure but uh, yeah, it, i yeah i think that that is different that different than like because like it, it, it's the same for their like they had literally just uh, the day before rolled out a new UI on desktop uh, for Stadia. Like, I mean, like pe- they like the team was still making changes to like how the service works. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's expensive to run, even though they had shut down their first party publisher that never made any games. It still was expensive, right? You had to buy access to the games. You had to work with the developers on ports. You had to maintain the front end, the servers themselves that were powering Stadia. It's all expensive. And Google is going through a significant retrenchment right now in both personnel and costs. And Phil Harrison, the head of Stadia, he just said like the underlying technology is a success, but the product itself was not. And a lot of people are shitting on him 
for not running Stadia properly, but a lot of analysts and Stadia subscribers alike had been waiting for this. It was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when, right? I mean, people thought this was a matter of when in 2019, when they announced this and they were doing the rollout, because like, I remember a a lot of people being like, what is going to happen if slash when you shut down Stadia? Because like Google has a reputation for this stuff. And this is another, I would not blame anyone if Google announces some cool new software feature next year or, or, or service rather, if someone goes like, no, I got burned on Google Plus, I got burned on Stadia. I'm not even bothering with it. They're just going to shut it down in, in two years or whatever, and it'll unceremoniously die. And maybe I'll get my money back, but who knows? And, and it's it's a problem, I, I think, for Google that they need to get under control. I totally agree. And This is different because most of Google's products are free, right? So when you use a product that eventually gets shut down, it is what it is. It's just the cost of doing business, right? Another free project that you're not the customer, you're the product, right? Because Google is selling ads against you and your usage. But for a paid service like Stadia, it's different. It's a different value proposition, right? Google is making money as a direct-to-consumer company in in that situation. And there aren't that many Google products like that. And it's really unfortunate that it it appears like Google can't stick the landing for anything that is direct to consumer, that is subscription-based, that's not just ad-supported. And we've seen that if they can hold out long enough, eventually it'll get better. Like, YouTube Music was a dumpster fire when it first relaunched in 2018. But these days, YouTube Music is actually pretty good apart from that weird mini player whatever happened with copa whenever they had to change things on youtube for kids like youtube music has a decent selection now it's not really buggy anymore algorithms have improved the mixes have improved we're finally getting a more modern material you design if google can stick it out long enough and actually put in the work they can improve things they just keep killing shit before they can but YouTube Music came out of them killing Google Play Music, yes, which no, was a service was, that was already built up. Yeah. And it took them four years to get back to where they were, basically. Well, like, they're still not quite the feature parody, but yes. No, but like yeah. there were like, look, I, I still pay $8 a month for YouTube Music slash YouTube Premium. That means I was on the first month of Google Play Music, right? Like I have that grandfathered plan. I, I will hold on to it until I die or they take it away from me. Yep. But like, I switched to Spotify after like two months of trying to use YouTube music when it first launched because I was like, this is terrible. Like they ruined it. Like and like maybe it'll get back to where it was and then better someday. But it took forever to get there. And like, why? Why would I stick it out? And like, I don't think they'll kill YouTube music in two years and relaunch it again, but maybe they will. And like, I don't feel confident in that, like not in a way where I'm like, I don't think Spotify is going to die tomorrow. I don't, you know, they're just going to keep bothering me to buy audiobooks. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I wouldn't even cause say that the shutdown of Stadia is a cautionary tale because like this has happened before and it will happen again, but it will really make people think twice about signing up for Google products where you have to give them money. The death of any Google product is never a quiet one, as we found out about a month later. In the meantime, we have some news about Stadia refunds. Ara, we know a little bit more about when and where and how much and all that, so walk us through what we know. 
Well, for Stadia, there's not really that much to tell since all the refunds are being applied automatically through Stadia's system. So unless you changed credit cards, I think everything just goes back to you eventually. So there's nothing that Stadia owners have to do. I don't even think they have to send the equipment back, right? No, what they do have to do is use the money that they made from the refund to purchase a Steam Deck. I believe that's in the terms of service. <laughs> so no, no. I, I just want to say I am putting my entire Stadia refund amount towards a Steam Deck. So that will save me, let me check, a dollar and seven cents. <laughs> I think it's the sa- around the same for me, too. I apparently bought Borderlands 3 Ultimate Edition when it was like... 10 or 11 bucks and I had a $10 off coupon. It, that is the only game that I spent money on on Stadia. Did not play it, by the way. I haven't touched it. It's just there. So I think I did I did the same thing and and I did play it a little, but it was mm-hmm. too laggy for me to enjoy. That's so like, it. I did start it and this was when I was on Spectrum uh and it just wouldn't work. It <laughs> just yeah. did not want to play properly, so I never went back to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but that's basically my experience too. R.I.P. I died the way I live, pissing and shitting. Anyway, so you don't have to worry about it. It'll just work. It's all good. It'll be the one thing about Stadia that just works. (laughs) Ooh, hell yeah. That's a burn. God, that should have been the headline. It's so good. I mean, look, it's happening. January 2023 is coming pretty quickly. I think the interesting part about this is... As we've talked about in previous weeks, Google is making a bigger deal about cloud gaming on Chromebooks. It is also making more of a big deal about Steam on Chromebooks natively. It's just a funny time to be a gamer and also a Google user. Like, it's just weird. They've been trying to get gaming right on Google for for freaking years. What was that? Uh, Because they had another cloud gaming idea what was it, five, six years ago? And it almost got onto the stage at Google I.O. And then it just like everything got scrapped. And then they started over and did Stadia. I'm trying to remember what the name of it would have been. It was- wasn't just Project Cloud was, was not that. I mean, Project Cloud was Stadia's like beta. Yeah, right? no, it was, uh, it was something Google, it was a Google Play game something, I thought. Because uh, internal materials about it got leaked and it showed like, partners and potential pricing and everything was lined up and then it just didn't happen and i'm like that's google's been trying this for a long time and can't get it right and i'm really hoping at least by not being responsible for the streaming bit of it but being like okay we want to have systems that will be compatible with cloud gaming because cloud gaming is the future we want our hardware to support it we want you to be able to get that good experience while still using our products even if we can't get the games right. Yeah, it was called Project Stream, not Project Cloud. But uh, it was, um, you could play Assassin's Creed, like everybody who was part of it. I remember Jerry at AC played it for a while and really, really liked it. But anyway, I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, I'm sure once Stadia goes away completely, nobody will ever talk about it again. But cloud gaming is, is certainly not going away. It's never, I think, going to be the default. No. No. But... It's not going to go away anytime soon. Well, I mean, we're just used to being able to do everything we want at all times. And cloud gaming is like the natural extension of that. Well, I just think it makes sense for the browser to be a place that you could do computing tasks, right? Like, obviously, native apps are going to be more performant, but we live in browsers. We live in the browser in so many other ways. 
Chromebooks have proven themselves to be adequate containers. The web has proven itself to be an adequate container for so many things. Figma, for instance, the company that just sold to Adobe for 20, or is trying to sell itself to Adobe for $20 billion. It's a web-based design tool. Everything it does is in the browser. Increasingly, you can do more of it. Like Google Home, the Home app has launched a web portal now, right? It's just slowly but surely, you're going to be able to replace native experiences with the web. And while obviously there will be the need for native apps on mobile, on phones and tablets, if you're on a computer, it just increasingly feels like there is no need for a native app, even when you're doing things like playing games. And I know Microsoft made a big deal about it in certain areas of the internet about improving streaming quality for Game Pass on the browser so that it plays better on iOS, it plays better on the Steam Deck, it plays better in certain places where it's limited. And basically, the only reason it's limited on those platforms is you can't have a native app on iOS, you can't have a native app on Steam Deck. So they have to try to make it work. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably the last time we'll talk about Stadia on the show. So like RIP, I'm willing to let it go. But so uh, this is the last time I'm going to apologize for that crack earlier, just because I don't want that to be the last thing I don't. ever say about Stadia. No, you no, should. We'll- no, no, absolutely not. I refuse to let you say that. You, you, Stadia has gone out in like a blaze of, I wouldn't say glory, but it's gone out. Um, it's gone out in a blaze of infamy. Yeah. And, and like you might as well just own it that like it was mishandled. Yeah. It was a good product that was never run well and well, yeah, commercially saw this coming, right? This was never a support. Like, I remember in 2019 when it became Stadia and it wasn't Project Stream anymore. Uh, Stream or Cla- now I don't even remember Stream. what you said was the right one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, one of the most frequent questions when they did those like Reddit AMAs was like, hey, what happens if it dies? Because no one who wasn't a diehard, I'm 100% in on the future of gaming, let's go person was like we know you google you kill things you're literally at this point it's self-fulfilling prophecy it dies because nobody trusts that it's not going and that's just google's fault that's nobody else's fault and it sucks that like a bunch of interesting ideas have died because of that and will continue to die because if anything the stadia death hurts it even more it's probably the most impactful to that reputation as anything. Like, you know, it's a web store. I still feel Google Music and Inbox were the most influential Google devs. Yeah, but this was like, you were, and I understand they're giving full refunds back, but this was people giving like $60 for games versus like you paid $8 to $10 a month for music streaming or like Inbox, you didn't pay anything. I'm as sad as anyone about Inbox still, but it wasn't like a financial transaction the way Stadia was. So now... If in 2025, Google starts offering, I don't know, some other kind of web store where you are doing transactions, but if the service shut down, you would no longer be able to use it and you would lose at worst money or at least time and data. No one's going to want to sign up for it because Stadia is there and we already know how that happened. Yeah. Finally, D-Day. Here's our program from January 22nd of last year. Hello and welcome to the Amber Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, Stadia is no more. And we are mourning our old friend that we lost too soon, that we ignored, that we made fun of. True. That we occasionally hated on. And now we regret doing all of these things because they're gone. So let's mourn Stadia as quickly as humanly possible. 
Stadia shut down yesterday. I know a lot of people are sad about this. I don't want to minimize it. I also want to say, we were talking about this before. This is the way you shut down a service, right? You give people ample time to prepare. You give them their money back. You do right by them in terms of their saves, in terms of their existing equipment. You make them feel as good as possible about it. So this week, we got a converter for the Stadia controller to turn it into uh, just a generic Bluetooth controller. Really, really easy tool. You plug it in, you put it into bridge mode, and you run a tool, and it and just converts it permanently into a Bluetooth controller. Weirdly, Will, it's only available until the end of the year. <laughs> we were like, yeah. what's going on there? But, you know, it's it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I also think you lose Rumble support. I think I saw that on Reddit, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, if you have a Stadia controller lying around, like obviously you've been able to use it wired with Windows, but it will be nice to have just like, oh, hey, I have a, another Bluetooth controller now, like all of a sudden for, for Windows or whatever, or for, you know, Android, if I want to like pair it there. <clears throat> it's it's nice to just like not have it become a paperweight minus wired pairing, but we all want wireless. Who wants who wants a wired controller in 2023? So. Yeah, I mean, it's also, it's nice that, I don't know how difficult it is, but it's a little annoying putting the DualSense and the Xbox controllers into Bluetooth mode. I agree. And yeah. and like having to put them back, it's yep. it's fine. It's it, it works. But like having a dedicated Bluetooth controller of this quality, just yeah. like lying around, is fantastic for the times that you want to, you know, put your phone on a ledge and maybe play some hardcore vampire survivors or something. Honestly, like even just Steam remote play around the house, like uh, I will stream Steam to both my TV and like my iPad and having to find my Xbox controller that I don't use for an Xbox. I use it for Windows and then like pair it with and figure out what it was paired to last. Was it paired to uh, my phone or my computer last or whatever? And then like sync it to the right device. Like it ta- it's it doesn't take long, but it's like, a two minute hurdle now i have like i think i have two stadia controllers like i will now have two less devices to have to sync to because i can just use this controller instead you can play um co-op that's true i can i don't know how well that would work over i mean i guess you know remote plays well i i don't use remote play i use moonlight but moonlight's pretty good uh and and co-op would probably be fine over it moonlight what is that Moonlight is an unofficial Steam remote play competitor that is built for any laptop or computer, I guess, but I'm using a laptop uh, using um, an NVIDIA GPU. So it basically uses like NVIDIA's tech to like sync with Steam. And it's such a better experience. (laughs) Like that's wild. Remote play is fine, but I in my experience can be pretty buggy for no reason. Like I will sometimes just so a session would go great and sometimes a session would be like i'm dropping frames every like 15 seconds or like i'm I'm experiencing like massive latency and moonlight since i set it up a few months ago i've had absolutely no issues with like streaming around my house like it's it's free perfect. it's open source yep that's amazing yeah moonlight, i love if you have like an nvidia gpu moonlight is like you should be using moonlight i also love that it's on its website it uses a nexus 5 render as like an example pretty sure it wasn't around in 2013 but maybe it was maybe they just love uh they just love the the nexus i mean who doesn't love the nexus 5 it it, it had an iconic shape it does yeah all right so stadia is going away we have the bluetooth controller 
there were talks about like, is this the end of streaming? Luna lost people no. in Amazon's latest layoffs. But really, like what it means is, I think streaming is still too early. We're not there yet to hit critical mass. I think the finances don't make sense. And we're seeing this play out GeForce Now. NVIDIA just launched a 4080 compatible version of GeForce Now called GeForce Now Ultimate. It's expensive, you know, expensive in the sense that it's $20 a month or $100 for six months, but it's apparently exceptional. I'm sure that it is, but I want to argue the premise that streaming is still too early because we've had Xbox Game Pass and they're streaming for two years now. Has it been two years since we got that on Xbox? Yeah, two years, but it's still in beta. It's still in beta, but it's been pretty good for a while. Between that GeForce Now and... God, what was the third one? Luna? No. I'm trying to think <laughs> of the other one. That was the most dismissive no I've ever heard. No. Definitely <laughs> Nobody's not Nobody's ever played Luna. I don't know a single person. I mean, I believe that. I think... Aside I think, from uh... people that have basically been like... <laughs> sent Luna development kits to make games compatible for it. See, I just I want a Luna controller. I want to change it into a regular Bluetooth controller and just use that with my Android TV for when I want to do fast forward and rewind since triggers on a controller are just the best way to do that. Oh God, but that's no, the worst but... thing. I, I wanted like, we could spend 15 minutes yelling about watching Blu-rays with a PlayStation controller and how miserable it is, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Here's the thing though. xCloud does not have 4K support. Right. So you talk about right. and I know this no, is not a huge that's deal. Smart. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, but I'm, but I'm yeah. saying like from an infrastructure perspective, remember when Stadia was announced and everybody and like Google said that it'll be 4K compatible in a year and 8K compatible in five years. And like the infrastructure is going to get built up around it. The reality is, and we've talked about this before, most people don't have Internet connections fast enough to exactly. do even close to what you require for a consistent experience. And somehow, I mean, NVIDIA is leaning into this. It's like, listen, if you're willing to spend $200 a year on the ultimate tier, you're probably going to already be spending $100 a month on a gigabit fiber connection, which will give you the latency that you require to play at 4K. Well, the issue is you... Like in the U.S., you might be spending $100 in your internet connection and still might not have the speeds necessary to achieve... like. I have gigabit internet through Fios and it's $90 a month, which is great. But at my apartment where I was living a year ago, I was paying $75 a month for 200 down 20 up. So like it's a big difference for $15 and that, you know, has not gotten a lot better. I think Spectrum has raised it to like, I think it's 400. I still think it's 20 up. I think it's 400 down 20 up still, which is absolutely insane. And like that upload speed is essential. I think that's like the issue when, when, you know, Ara, to your point, like, yeah, these services have been around for a long time, relatively speaking, but it's not in a place where it can be anything more than like a supplementary service. Like, yes, like Stadia had some diehard fans who were like, I'm all in on this platform, despite the fact the game library never really hit what you would see on an Xbox or a PlayStation 5. But for most people, I think something like GeForce Now is the best you're gonna find because it's like i have my big custom-built pc that i upgrade every few years or whatever but like maybe instead of trying to like track down a 4080 i'll just buy this and i'll either like stream right on my computer or i can stream on my tv or my phone and like 
you know, if it's a little buggy, I'll just go play in my office and like on the actual PC or whatever. Like, I think having it as like a middle ground is like where cloud gaming is right now and will be for the foreseeable future until internet improves in the US and beyond. I think the ability to scale up and down the way that you describe it, right? Like if you are at home on a PC with a wired connection, you're getting the latency that you need to hit those speeds. Like you, you can play at 120 frames per second, 4K, all the settings turning to max. But then if you're traveling and you're on a 5G connection or you're on a solar Wi-Fi connection, you can still load it up and get decent 720p performance with the same games and not worry that it's going to be super shitty. NVIDIA has proven that, I think, fairly well. So is Microsoft, to its credit. But the max on Xbox Cloud Gaming just isn't there yet. And I think they're still in the process, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, they upgraded the Xbox One X to Xbox Series S, right. which isn't a massive upgrade as the backhaul. I will say, and like, I, when I, you know, started this episode by saying I was going to um, bully Stadia, like, I don't mean it's fans or whatever. I just mean that, like, I did not have a single good experience. And even even after we moved here with gigabit Internet, I did not have a single good experience on Stadia. It was always laggy or like it would crash sometimes for me. And like the other cloud gaming service I've played around with is Xbox Cloud Gaming. I really wish they had just left it as xCloud. That's such a better name. But I've had no issues with xCloud, like at all. Obviously, like we were saying, it's not 4K. It's running off a Series S, as I've just learned. Oh, no, I'm seeing it move to Series X in 2021. Did it move? Okay, Okay. that's what I was trying to figure out, whether they upgraded from the One X to the Series X or the Series S. Yeah, the hardware it launched, I'm on Wikipedia now. The hardware it launched used uh, Xbox One uh, S-based Blade servers, but began to transition to the Series X uh, in june of 2021 anyway okay so i blame the fact that the the one and the series have the same letters letters and i just got oh terrible brand this is microsoft's fault microsoft you you made this segment more difficult to understand (laughs) it's not my fault number just hey do you know what has never been confusing the playstation console series (laughs) i was i wanted to specify console i'm not talking about their handhelds just the Fair. console. Well, but, like, but is the PlayStation series super simple? Because you had the X, uh, the PlayStation Five, PlayStation Five Slim, uh, or no? no sorry, there's no, there's four no, and four Slim. And well, how the many Slim other was versions? just a redesign. They've done redesigns before. The only PlayStation that ever was like a mid-gen. This is more powerful. Was the PlayStation Four Pro? But even that was like easy to understand because it was like at that point the regular PlayStation 4 had gone away there was the i think it was a $300 slim that you could sometimes get for 200 on sale that was how i got a PlayStation 4 and then there was the pro and that was it and it's like even that is like that is more understandable than series s and x like it doesn't make it and so like with the PS5 we're back to just do you want a disc or not i still think that makes sense we will eventually get a PS5 Pro i am sure but uh, yeah, I still think that makes a lot more sense than anything Xbox has done since the 360 days. Even just, I mean, I mean, I know the Xbox One was 10 years ago now, but like, God damn it, what a terrible brand. 10 years ago. Oh my God. That's right. I know. 20, 2013. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's, that's incredible. I bought it. I bought it the day it came out. It, like, I loved it. Although it didn't do half the things that 
Microsoft claimed it would do. But you bought it for all the TV. Uh, stuff, yeah, yeah, right? exactly. I, I wanted it to be the thing that the Nexus Q never was. But, oh, uh, sure. Okay. Neither of them lived up to my expectations. No, no. Anyway, all I was saying before we went way off was that I've had really good experiences with xCloud and I cannot say the same for my experience with Stadia. It just they never really upgraded the back end to like have a, a smoother experience. Like and, and I, I think part of this is that like Google is not always willing to stick with platforms that need time. Right. Like the Google graveyard is a thing for a reason. They are known to shut things down, whether it's been two years or 10 years or whatever but like stadia i don't think was ever going to be an overnight success i know they launched it three years ago they launched it at the end of 2019 but in between that there was like a year and a half of people being stuck at home where they didn't need the flexibility of cloud gaming so honestly subtract that year and a half and then like by then you're looking at like the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox series, whatever is out, right? And so like now there's excitement about consoles and people probably got into like PC gaming during the uh, pandemic. And what and else were you going to do but build? Exactly. I mean, you, every, everybody did and therefore you couldn't buy components for exactly. a year. Right. Everyone built a PC and then got really into crypto mining for like six months and then they sold <laughs> their GPUs on eBay. My God, that seems like so long ago, like a completely <laughs> different world where NFTs and crypto were the most important thing. Now it's chat GPT making yep. Hitler sound like a nice person. It's just like it, the, the world is the world is topsy turvy. It's just like, come on. None of this makes sense. If they had just if if. if if they had just not like if they had reflected on the fact that all the things I just said that we just said happened like this platform needed more time like all of these platforms are going to need more time. It's not the same as launching a new gaming console where it's like we can show consumers exactly what they're going to get in a store. Right. We have retail space where it's like here's the hardware you're going to buy. Here are the games you're going to get like. It needs time. Cloud gaming as a concept is not a widespread idea that my parents know about, right? My mom knows what a PlayStation is, right? Like, Does your mom play PlayStation? Uh, my mom has been playing the PlayStation 1 lately Aww, because she's been revisiting the great. games that we that like I played with my parents when we were kids. So like, is it Spyro uh, the Dragon? I played Spyro 2. That was not a, a game I shared with my parents. It yes. was it was um Spyro 2 was one of the first games I had, but it, it was uh the Tarzan game on the PlayStation 1 and I'm missing one more. Oh, uh, uh Toy Story 2, which is actually like a weirdly good 3D platformer. I remember that. I played yeah. the Toy Story 2 game. It was quite good. Honestly, the Tarzan game's not bad either. It's it, but it, that is a 2D like platformer. It's it's not terrible. Was that like um, based on the Disney Tarzan movie yeah, yeah, yeah. or yes. Oh, yes. I mean, it's it's actually kind of weird cuz Disney either does a game really really well or so bad it's memorable. <laughs> uh, I think both of those are pretty I mean, pretty those decent. are the only two like things. Yeah. <laughs> not not the not the ET game that got buried no. in the desert right no <laughs> well that's not disney that's that's universal that's true that's fine yeah but my parents know that i have a ps5 for example right like they know the concept i remember like when i was 11 the ps3 had just came out and i remember my parents coming home and like being like my dad being like yeah i saw the ps3 at like walmart that thing because it was like they were christmas shopping and they, he was like that thing's really impressive and then I saw the price and I was like, never, never mind. I'm not buying that for us. <laughs> $600 never, at launch. 
Yeah, it was stupid. It was stupid. But yeah, so like, I can't imagine either of my parents ever heard about Sadia. That brand awareness did not exist. And to succeed in gaming, you kind of have to be there. And like, you have to like be reaching out beyond core gamers because core gamers honestly aren't going to be. Core gamers weren't the ones that were going to make Stadia. Exactly. But my biggest thing for Stadia is that you keep saying it needed more time. It needed more time. It needed more marketing. I think Google just rushes to get shit out the door and not give it the time to like start small and build and actually get a good product and then take it wider mainstream. Absolutely. Like everything you keep saying about Stadia, I'm just like, yeah, that's what I said about YouTube music three years ago. Yeah, that's what we've said about like so many other things. Because, yeah, I think Google, like anything that is a product that people will have to spend money on. Google, I think, rushes out the door because they want the revenue as early as possible and they want to make a big splash, but they aren't willing to have it start small or have it start in like more of like an open beta situation where it's like, okay, we have this. It's not necessarily ready for everybody, but if you try this, the games are discounted or whatever, uh, and you can help us make this platform good enough so that way you could eventually play with your friends and hop into games via YouTube and all of that nonsense that we never really got. Because, I mean, it's like, I hate to bring it back to YouTube Music again, but it's like YouTube Music was a product that was not really ready, but it got rushed into being Google's only music platform because some dumbass executive could not keep his mouth shut and said, oh, yeah, this is replacing Google Play Music and said that at launch when it needed like another two years to get to the point that it needed to be at. Like, it is finally starting to get to where it needs to be right now. They didn't need to do that. That one is, like, I agree with you. It's it's not a bad comparison, but, like, that one is a weird one because it's, like, also, you already had a music platform. You didn't need to. You could have just rebranded the existing one and relaunched it with, like, a new UI that already had all the features that were missing from YouTube Music at launch. But, like, because they wanted to move teams or whatever, like, we had to redo everything. Well, yeah, because they wanted to capitalize on the YouTube branding. But more importantly, it's like, there was already YouTube integration in Google yeah, Play Music. Like, <clears throat> even from the inception, from the first day, if you had a song, you could click on it and, it and go to the YouTube Music video if you wanted. Like, that was the day one feature. And I'm like, okay, if, if this was your big integration for YouTube, what the hell, guys? Well, they milked that for all it, it was worth. So, yeah. Uh, and it still didn't do much. Anyway, I think we should center our minds. Yeah. Do sorry. some Shavasana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring out my inner Miami. I was going to say, dude, you, you need to get out of that city in pronto. <laughs> and that Stadia. Other than attempting to push Chromebooks as a gaming medium, Google doesn't seem too eager to get back into the business of distributing video games, the intellectual property side of it, as well as the pure mechanics of the form, anytime soon. It's AI all the way, after all, but never say never. And that's the Android Police Podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll have a show all about CES next week. Will's in Las Vegas for that. As I record this, so there's plenty to look forward to for a chat. We love getting mail from all our listeners. Please send your messages to podcast at androidpolice.com. We read every letter and we appreciate your responses. Check the show notes for links to all of our relevant Stadia coverage, as well as our host's social media pages. Take care, and until next week, bye-bye. All right, that's going to have to work.